0: Everybody, welcome to another episode of two strike noise your weekly baseball history podcast i am one of your co-hosts as usual joining me as always he's on the dl again but this time it's a legitimate like baseball almost injury fresh off of sh- shoulder surgery god that's a hard one to say uh is my co-host is always mark a johnson mark how are those pain meds treating you
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I think I, I uh, am impaired a little bit. So kangaroo court need not apply uh, this week. Um, but yeah, I had a rotator cuff surgery and, you know, I couldn't throw before, but maybe I, I asked the guy straight up, am I going to be able to throw? And he said, yeah. So I should be in the major leagues within a couple of years.
0: Well, you're a lefty, so there are teams interested in you. <laughs> if only I was a lefty, I would. I'd have a job, right? Jeez. So you got the pain meds, and I was just telling you, I somehow got coffee in my eyeball this morning, so I stopped drinking coffee. I've been drinking yeah. whiskey all day long, too. So this should be quite a an episode <laughs> with you on the pain meds and myself having uh, been imbibing in the whiskey quite a bit today already. But we got a lot of stuff today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff from pregame we want to talk about. We've got uh, – I'm going to talk about a guy – not named jim abbott that is a one-handed pitcher that maybe you haven't heard about and of course we've got wax packs heroes that's always a, a highlight of the show but mark what do you say before we do that let's get in let's warm up i'm a little i'm a little stiff today i you know we we're back in spring training and it's been a while so I'm, I'm a little sore let's get into a little bp first let's do it i, I could use a few hacks <laughs> well i don't think with your shoulder they're gonna let you do anything you're just gonna have to ride around in a <laughs> golf cart by the way, we are only like three episodes away from being able to do debuts, which is our one ah, of the yes. segments that we do during the actual season. So I'm really excited about that.
1: That's exciting, yeah.
0: All right, so we've talked about this guy before, William Hoy. He had a really tasteless nickname, as, as a lot of them were way back in the day. His nickname was Dummy, and that was because he could not talk, which, of course... That's a little much. Yeah, we've moved beyond calling people that can't talk dumb, You know, from at least on this podcast we have. So uh, most people probably know him as Dummy Hoy. We're going to call him William Hoy is his given name. He could not talk. He had a teammate who was, uh, first of all, had just an awesome nickname. His nickname was Alamazoo Jennings. Nice. And yeah, Alamazoo. So Jennings was quoted after a particularly tough game that Hoy struggled in, saying that the three words that Hoy can say better than any other words are, you are rotten. And he says those whenever the umpire calls a bad strike against him. And (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny that while he might not have been able to speak a whole lot, he could tell the umpire that, hey, you, you, you suck.
1: He had a disagreeable side.
0: Yeah, he was. I wonder if he ever got run for saying that. Like the umpire was like, you can't talk and you're telling me that?
1: <laughs> yes, you, you waited and just that just to say that to me, didn't you?
0: Like, remember Ichiro, the first real words that he knew were swear words. I, I mean, that's kind of common, right? When you learn yeah, a new language, yeah. if you're immersed in it is how to swear. But I remember Ichiro's first couple of words were not they were uh, they were pretty blue yeah another thing so like two years ago i think we were talking about adam Ottavino at this point because remember he signed with the yankees he's number zero because his last name starts with an o but he said that he could he wasn't worried about facing babe ruth he thought he could strike out babe ruth remember that yes i do remember that and maybe that was last year i don't remember we did have a bit of a spring training last year well he's on the red sox now if you if you don't know so who on the Red Sox is their most famous hitter?
1: Well, I would go with Ted Williams.
0: Exactly. Adam Ottavino says he's pretty sure he could handle Ted Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sure thing, wherever he sure goes. Thing, he's, he's, so remember, I, I remember Adam Ottavino. I think he came up with, I know he, he, a good portion of his career was on the Rockies. So do you think he was like, yeah, uh, Todd Helton, I can handle him, no problem. Do you think he just picks like whoever the best hitter was in that franchise history and said, Yeah, I can handle him. No problem. He
1: he must ponder that greatly as every time he's traded or or signs a new contract. You know. Yeah, he uh, just like I, what, I gotta ponder what, who's whatever best team hitter here.
0: He's just like rifling through the baseball encyclopedia. Who's their best player? I gotta call him out. <laughs> Good luck on that Adam, Adam Otavino. You know uh this is breaking news uh we're recording this show on saturday so by the time you hear it it won't be breaking news but jose canseco i don't know if you remember jose canseco he is i say that facetiously uh he's got quite a twitter account where he loves to call out a rod loves to talk about how he Knows aliens and has seen Bigfoot and uh, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Well, today, Saturday, he called out a former Bash brother. He called out Mark McGuire, claiming that Mark McGuire used a cork bat all the time.
1: <laughs> like, okay, like McGuire needed that little bit of extra to get it over the fence?
0: Yeah, like the steroids weren't enough. He also wanted to cork his bat. <laughs> and all the Yeah, because his
1: ones were all so... His home runs were also short and just barely made it. Yeah.
0: He needed that extra oomph. So all the, yeah. all the tweet says is Mark McGuire corked his bat every game. No period either. Like, I mean, he at least capitalized Mark. He spelled his name right. The, the two capital M's, the lowercase C and the capital G. So good for him. But beyond that, not much <laughs> punctuation. That's <sighs> Jose. Remember when Jose called out Ricky like a year ago, claiming Ricky somehow hooked him up for an appearance and he never got paid and he was like calling ricky out for that
1: Jose's not afraid to burn his bridges i don't know if he has any left in fact
0: i don't think i think he's stranded on an island because he is yeah he's he's something but he's a good twitter he's one of those train wreck twitter followers yeah like he is just good to see what he's gonna say This is not our trivia question, but I want to ask you, because I just saw this on on social media earlier today. There is only one franchise in baseball that does not have a home run champ to their name. Do you know which franchise that is? (laughs) Yeah, actually. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I do. You do? (laughs) That would be the Houston Astros. Exactly. I couldn't believe that. I mean, okay, they 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 haven't been around since the 1800s. They're not the Cincinnati Reds or the Red Sox or the sure. Highlanders or, but the I mean, they've had such big bats there, and now they especially playing that you know the bandbox that is Minute Maid. That's kind of incredible.
1: Yeah, I I guess Bagwell never lead, led the league in home runs, or Berkman or.
0: Yeah, so they've had, they've had two guys that have come in second. So Glenn Davis did in 1986, and then Bags did in 1994. Always the bridesmaid, never never the uh, never the bride. <laughs> that's funny, though, that you knew that because it was the Astros.
1: No, I didn't know it only because it was the Astros. I heard it, like, not that long ago, and I went, no, oh, that's nice. You know, that's, and I, I thought, because it was asked in a question form, and I thought, well, could it be, you know, the Mariners? Oh, no, no, we had Mr. Griffey, of course, so. You know, at least we got yeah. that going for
0: us. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, the, the Marlins. Well, it, Stanton was on the Marlins when he when he did it, and I, I went through all the because you know the recent teams are the guy are the teams that you're going to think, oh, maybe they did, right? But yeah, no, they right. did. Well, good, good uh, orange slices and D and for you on <laughs> the, on the Astros being there. So I've been watching spring training games. I'm I'm guessing most of our listeners probably have. I, as I said last week, I'm done with them. I'm ready. I'll watch an <laughs> inning or two to watch the few regulars and then I'm ready for the regular season. But I was watching a Twins game the other day and I had a really good time. Dan Gladden, who I think does, he must do their radio uh, color side, but he was doing TV this game. I had a really good time listening to Dan Gladden which is cool because he was just he was essentially just telling stories the whole time, which is essentially what we do here. We love to hear those kind of stories. So he was talking about Jim Cott. And we've mentioned Jim Cott quite a bit because we've talked extensively about Greg Maddox and all of his gold gloves. Cott is second only to Greg Maddox in terms of gold gloves from the pitcher's position. Right. So he was telling a story about Jim Cott that I thought was great. And I mean, again, this is this is totally the kind of stuff we like to hear. Of course. And I I mentioned Gold Gloves. Cott has 16. Maddox has 18. Uh, So this was a story he told that Jim Cott had relayed to him about his rookie year in Wrigley Field. And they had watered down the infield before the game. I mean, they always do that. But apparently they had watered down the grass too, specifically around the pitcher's mound. And so Cot's out there pitching, and there's a comebacker to the mound. So he finishes his follow-through. He's got to scramble off the mound to get the ball. He plants his foot on the grass to get in position, and he slips, and the ball hits him in the face. <laughs> Knocks out four teeth. Wow. So Kot said that one of his teeth was actually still in the ball when he picked it up and (laughs) threw it to first base. Now, just makes a great story, whether or not that's true or not. That makes a great story. So I'm going to just include it there with it with an asterisk. But after that, he said he always made sure to land in a way that he was in a good fielding position so that he could get to any balls around him easily and safely. But I mean, it's a great story because that happened in his rookie year. He yeah. altered the way that he feels and he ends up with all those gold gloves. So yeah, I thought he that was ends
1: up crazy. working on his defense, which I, I don't know if a lot of pitchers do, but obviously he put it together pretty well to win all those gold gloves. That's impressive.
0: And what was funny, though, it was during the half inning, he told this, the twins committed three errors <laughs> and they were all spring training errors, you know, the runner on first tried to steal second and the catcher threw, and nobody covered, you know, it Hell was yeah. totally it was it was a spring training game. So that was, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's get into our trivia question for the uh, well, first, we're going to go for the one I asked last week. And I told everybody this was going to be a tough one. I'm going to be surprised if anybody gets it. Uh, we got some answers, we got some some strange answers, <laughs> including yours which was stockbroker, uh, yeah. which is not the answer. So let me first ask the question again and then and then I'll go over some of the the answers here. So there's a group of six players that all have something in common. I I gave you five of them. Yeah. And the question was to to Tell me what the six, who the sixth player was and what tied them all together. Right. So I gave you Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, Mickey Mantle and Jim Tomei. So there's right. a sixth player that goes into that, that fits into that group. I need to know who that is and what ties them all together. We got a lot, like I said, a lot of answers. Our buddy Chris from St. Louis, who he and his father are, are really good at this stuff. They they put in the time. So Chris sent me a whole bunch of answers, uh, including a couple of DMs that just had several players names (laughs) (laughs) as well as reasoning. So I'm going to give Chris partial credit for this because he did actually drop the name of the of the player. And I think he even actually dropped the reasoning, but they weren't really he didn't really tie them together. I've told this to him before. He was kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck. Sure. First of all, do you have any answer to this any any idea besides stockbrokers
1: you know my you know my uh, go-to is is always buddy Biancolana so
0: (laughs) well I don't believe Ricky ever played with buddy Biancolana so I can rule that out I know Jim Tomei never did nor did our answer the answer is somebody which is strange that you mentioned him when we were talking about the Astros never having a home run champ really yeah It's Lance Berkman.
1: No kidding. Well, then that was my guess.
0: (laughs) So Lance Berkman fits into this group because this is a list of career home run leaders with bats from one side, throws from another combo. Oh, wow. So Barry Bonds, bats left, throws left. Hank Aaron, bats right, throws right. Mickey Mantle, switch hitter, throws right. Tomei bats left, throws right. Ricky bats right, throws left. And Berkman sw- is a switch hitter but throws left, while Mantle is a switch hitter and throws right. So that rounds out that group of six. Now, wow. I've got a bonus name here for you that nobody mentioned. Okay. It's not Pat Vendetti. Oh. It is Pat Vendetti. long before Pat Vendetti was ever Pat Vendetti, It's Tony Mullane. Have you ever heard of Tony Mullane?
1: No, I've heard of Mickey Spillane,
0: but that's as far as I can go. <laughs> okay, so Tony Mullane, nicknamed the Count, also known as the Apollo of the Box, which is an awesome nickname. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he was a pitcher. And at the Apollo of the box, he was a pitcher in the in the 1880s, 1890s, before there was a pitching mound. And just remember this, because this is going to come into play in my story later today. He, before there was a pitcher's mound, there was a pitcher's box, which is why he was the Apollo of the box. OK. He was known to throw to pitch with both hands. OK. No with <laughs> with that, he batted and he's got eight career home runs. So he is technically the leader of throwing both and batting both. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah.
1: He's truly amphibious.
0: <laughs> he was, to, to quote the newspaper that did not <laughs> fact check or, or look at their, their headline. Uh, this guy, you know, he pitched for 13 years, Tony Mullane. 284 wins 220 losses a lot of black ink here and he still holds the major league record for wild pitches in a career with 343 (laughs) how is that even possible well just in 1884 he had 63 wild pitches so (laughs) goodness He had two seasons, check that, three seasons in his entire career that he only had single digits and wild pitches. So just looking at his wild pitch numbers here, 33, 24, 63, 53, 27, 24. I mean, it's it's always in the teens or 20s. This is all gonna kind of play into my story uh, later that we're gonna get to here in a minute. This was from a box Uh, pitchers were generally pitching underhand here they were starting to throw overhand and i want to talk uh, when we get to my story i'm going to tell you about catchers in this era so this this does not surprise me at all okay a very interesting fellow and just remember that that tony mullane here who we're talking about is from kark ireland oh nice i cannot believe how many 1800s baseball players are from ireland having done research for today. There's yeah. just a ton of them. And I like to say Cork Ireland. I had a very bad, very bad driving experience in Cork Ireland, by the way. So it's flashbacks, <laughs> but oh. there it was. That, was. that was a very hard trivia. I do want to give credit. That is uh, on Reddit, I found that one. And that was from the uh, username Try strange He's put a couple of trivia questions out there. That was by far the best one. I thought that one was really interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, just coming up with the idea to look it up in the first place is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, and I I legitimately thought and did some research before I gave up and couldn't figure out what the answer was. Uh, First of all, Chris, congrats for for coming up with at least giving us the name and the reason why. Not really together, but you are right there. So I'm going to give you credit for that. But I, I couldn't even put two and two together there. So good fit. All right. Next question for next week. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this. Can you tell me the manager with the most seasons managed without a losing record?
1: Ooh. Ooh, that's it. That is a good one.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there's been a couple of managers who've been around for a while, maybe never had a losing record. I need to know who the manager is that managed the longest in their entire career without ever having a losing season. It's a name everybody, if you're a baseball history person, will probably know. But I'm I'm interested to see if anybody actually comes up with it.
1: Wow, you got me stumped.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a whole week to think about it, so... All right. Put on, put on that thinking toque, my thinking Canadian toque. listeners. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> maybe when the pain meds wear off, the fog of war <laughs> will clear up, and you'll uh, be able to figure it out. I hope so. All right. Well, since you are on the DL this week, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to take the main story this week, and uh, you can sit back and just listen and chime in here as you see necessary. We'll let the grounds crew come out for us because we gotta we gotta get the the lines chalked and the bases cleaned and all that stuff and and the infield watered down. I am going to talk about. I mentioned it earlier. When I say one handed pitcher, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are going to think Jim Abbott is going to be that guy. We've yes. talked about Pete Gray in the past, the one armed outfielder who was actually very good defensively. Uh, Not so much as you can imagine with the bat, but I want to talk about somebody that I had never heard of, predates these guys by a long shot. I want to talk about Hugh Daly. Hugh Daly played in the 1880s and uh, Hugh Daly is from Ireland But uh, Hugh Daly looks like you would expect a baseball player to look like in the 1880s. He's got those mutton chop sideburns, and then they're connected to a mustache. But his chin is clean shaven. He's Irish. He's fiery. He's a drinker. And he's a pitcher.
1: He's got to be a fighter, too, then.
0: It just fits. (laughs) I will. uh, I got some stories here. Okay, this is uh, I I heard about Hugh Daly, did a little bit of research and I'm like, Hugh Daly is uh, pretty much made for the Two Strike Noise podcast. (laughs) So let's uh, let's learn about Hugh Daly. As I mentioned, he was an Irish immigrant. He was born in 1847 in Ireland. His family migrated to Baltimore in 1851. At age 13, Hugh was goofing off with a loaded musket. You know, as kids did in the mid-1800s. Sure. Yeah, who didn't? <laughs> well, guess what? He shot his left hand clean off. Fortunately for Hugh, he was right-handed. Or, you know, at least he now he was. Sure. He's, he's right-handed for sure now. Uh, this didn't stop Hugh from playing baseball. However, baseball was very popular in Baltimore at this point. As it was in in a lot of uh, the East Coast, he pitched for semi-pro teams around Baltimore using his right hand to throw and attached to his left stump, and I am going to call it a stump, which I think sounds pretty callous, but that's what every article I read called it, so I'm going to stick with that. He attached a leather stud. Now, I can find no picture, no drawing of anything of what this looked like. I have to assume it looked like kind of a glove. It had to have had some sort of a pocket. Gloves at this point were very rudimentary. They didn't, I mean, I guess they didn't really have pockets. They were just kind of larger finger gloves at this point. You mostly spent your
1: time um, catching between the glove and your hand. Now we have the big deep pockets and stuff. Yeah, very good. Yeah,
0: you would two-hand catch. It's kind of like cricket where where you're catching with two hands. Absolutely. But uh, he attached this to his, um, hopefully, this is the last time I'm going to say it, his stump. And he would help, (laughs) it would help him trap the ball between that and his body to make a play. For pop ups, he would use his bare right hand, which uh, did did not work out very well, (laughs) surprisingly. If there's any spin on a ball, trying to catch it with one hand is not a good Mm. idea. Yeah. What kind of an oddity, despite having two arms, but only one hand his nickname was one arm <laughs> okay so i don't know i don't know how that happened but they
1: should have it. gone for the all the way bizarre and called
0: him old one eye <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you're going to call a guy that clearly has two arms but only one hand one arm why not just go right peg leg sure like why not just go the other way call him peg leg right all right So before we go any further into Hughes' history, let's just set the scene of how baseball was played in in the mid-1800s. First, pitchers delivered the ball to the batter underhand. The batter could also call whether he wanted, I want a high pitch, I want a low pitch. He could essentially tell the pitcher where he wants it. Daly did not like pitching underhand. Who would at this point? But that was the rules. The novelty, though, of a pitcher throwing the ball overhand was becoming a thing despite the fact that it was not approved at the professional level anywhere. But fans really enjoyed seeing a guy throw it overhand versus underhand. And, and daily that was where he was. That was his strong suit. He was much better overhand. So he would just do it. Uh, umpires were aware of this. And uh, as a matter of fact, they would sometimes try to stop him from throwing overhand. And you know what that did to the crowd that came and love yeah. to see pitchers throw overhand, they would become quite disgruntled. They, they would yes. start gruntled, but then if the yes. pitcher was try if the umpire tried to stop him from throwing overhand, they became disgruntled. Yeah. So basically the umpires would generally say, okay, you just throw, just get the ball here. He would generally throw <laughs> overhand. Gotcha. Uh, a walk at this point required eight called balls. <laughs> wow! Talk about pace of play. As we go on, that number is lowered almost every single season. Like every year it would come down one, just about, in the official rules. But point being, you had to be pretty wild to, to walk somebody at this point. Also, and maybe most importantly, is there were no substitutions at this point. And we've, we've covered this before. The local nine, when they took the field, was truly the local nine. Like those aren't the nine guys you were going to see play that day. <laughs> so imagine you have a one handed pitcher on the mound and he's getting roughed up like he's stinking up the joint. Right. Yeah. You want to make a move and put a new pitcher in. But where are you going to put this one handed guy? You, he's like, right. you can't just take him out and put him on the bench unless you want to play with eight players. So this led managers to leave Hugh in longer than they would most other pitchers. When they did sub him, he would generally get stuck in right field, like where you put the, you know, in Little League, where you put the worst field or you stick him in right.
1: Hey, that was my
0: position. Well, and, and you know, also we've established that catching fly balls, not a strong suit of Daly's game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Daly, by the way, still holds the record for percent of starts completed. In his career, he completed 96% of his starts. That's ridiculous. You stick him out there. He's he's an innings eater. That's yeah. how he'd be described today. Ultimate. Also of note, Hugh did play shortstop for an eleven inning game in eighteen eighty four. Where he <laughs> recorded one put out, three assists, turned a double play, and committed two errors.
1: <laughs> I would have paid to see
0: that. Yeah, he didn't pitch that game either. He just they were like, All right, Hugh, you're you're uh, you're short, you're starting it short. Good luck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Another thing about Daly that was very obvious, besides the you know only having one hand thing, is he had a temper. Like he had a Carl Everett Milton Bradley temper. Uh you know I mentioned he was Irish. Mentioned he liked to drink. Had a temper. Just if we're being stereotypical. (laughs) As we continue, you will notice a trend for Daly. He only spends one or two seasons at most with each team. That's because his teammates. Friggin hated him. Great. Hated him. <laughs> Sometimes, and there are several accounts of this, teammates would quit in the middle of a game, unable to even stand another pitch from him. They would just walk off. Uh, he would berate fielders from the pitcher's mound for committing errors. He would scream at umpires, and he would paint a blue streak, even with women in attendance, gasp.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: It was mentioned that there were several games where women were actually allowed to attend, and he would not temper his language because of all the, nerve. the fairer sex was there. I know how dare him. Since he was throwing overhand, he threw harder than the guys. Surprisingly enough, that were uh, forced to throw underhand. Yeah, catchers were not used to this. Many catchers begged out of catching daily because it hurt their dainty little catcher hands, uh-huh. which is funny now because I've talked about. Seen Ray Fossey's hands that look like rivers on a map. Like none of them are straight because they just you know, as you spend time catching, you're gonna hurt your fingers. Yeah. Well, finally, Hugh got a backstop in 1879 that could handle his arm. Tom Deasley was also from Ireland, and the two immediately formed a top line battery on the field, and also a love hate mostly hate relationship everywhere else <laughs> they were they were essentially birds of a feather and you know sometimes the, they they kind of clash yes daly was often used as, as an attraction to draw fans beyond being a top-notch pitcher obviously he had one hand or one arm as you might think from his nickname right but uh, he drew a large crowd to start the 1880 season against albany despite his team committing only 23 errors behind him in this one game
1: so how do you lose with that kind of defensive support
0: well hold on now because daly took a 16 to 11 lead into the ninth inning they're ahead having committed 23 errors they're ahead by five (laughs) runs you know a real pitcher's duel in the 1880s i guess The defense, though, didn't get any better in the ninth inning. And Daly ended up losing 16 to 17. Well, (laughs) Daly lost it. He just stood there on the mound and just started yelling at everybody. Every curse you could think of, you know, to the umpire, to his teammates, to the fans. Like he was just he lost it. Well, (laughs) Daly was immediately suspended for a month due to quote unquote crookedness which I don't know if crookedness meant something different then, but whatever, he's suspended. So Hugh struggled to win games, but not due to his arm. His ERA consistently threatened to dip below one. I mean, this guy was, he was a great pitcher, but his defense, as, as you can guess, if they're committing 23 errors in a game, continued to let him down. Even with that one-point ERA, his total runs per game hovered around 6.5. Wow. So each one of his starts, he the, the other team would almost score seven runs, but not all of those would be earned. Most of them wouldn't be earned.
1: What a nightmare.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the partnership between Daly and his personal catcher, Deasley, predictably hit the skids. So Daly, despite having one hand... He had to bat right there's no dh in the 1880s right. so <laughs> as we've we've talked about uh, so he had a very thin almost like a fungo bat that he would use at the plate diesley did himself no favors one game when he broke daly's special bat in the act of beating a fan with it after he harassed the catcher so, <laughs> it
1: was dangerous baseball was dangerous back then my gosh you,
0: you really i mean we've talked about Glass mugs being thrown at the umpires. Ty Cobb obviously went up, and there are extenuating circumstances about why he went up and beat the no-handed fan. But he did it, regardless. But here, Daly's personal catcher took his special bat and beat a fan because he was being berated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It came to a head on September 1st when Deasley... Was throwing the ball back to Daly and he was just winging it in there. And it was just too hard. And Daly yelled at his catcher, Just lob the ball back, please. I've got a stump here. It hurts (laughs) when you throw it that hard. And and actually, there's a quote attributed to Daly, and I'm going to do it in an Irish accent because, of course, I am. And I'm drinking whiskey. He said, Quote, they crack against me stump and give me a twitch, just like me Lucky Charms. Okay, well, I added the Lucky Charms part, but the they crack against me stump and give me a twitch is attributed to what he yelled at Deasley. But Deasley kept throwing him these seeds after every pitch. <laughs> uh, so Daly called timeout. He motioned for Deasley to come out for a meeting. When Deasley leaned in to hear what Daly was going to say, Hugh connected with a left cross with a stump across Deasley's jaw. (laughs) To nobody's surprise, this didn't sit well with Deasley. Speaking of Daly's thin bat that I I mentioned earlier, one time King Kelly, who we've talked about, early baseball, one of the first superstars in baseball, one time he stole it, he tossed it up to the press box, telling a reporter he found the pencil that he lost earlier. (laughs) So... (laughs) people hated this guy he was not well liked as i mentioned he played for many teams during this year so many it was impossible to keep up with new leagues formed at the drop of a hat seemingly and players would jump from one team to another literally depending on what day of the week it was hugh though ended up he pitched well wherever he went and he drew crowds because everybody wanted to see the one-handed pitcher plus they never knew when the next train wreck was going to happen with Daly on the mound so they wanted to be there course for that. Pitching continued to evolve during this time. Pitchers uh, had some new rules they had to contend with. One was they were required to keep a foot on the rubber in the pitcher's box. Plus, you could no longer take a step or run before throwing the ball, which a lot of them did. But this wasn't a problem for Hugh because he had always pitched like that. Also, the throwing overhand thing, another thing he had been doing for quite some time. So he didn't have to adapt to any of these new rules. He also had a great pickoff move, which was a huge weapon. He was one of the few pitchers, as I mentioned, that was proficient enough throwing overhand that he could also throw the newly invented curveball, which was quite a weapon when it first was used. That's another, another weapon in his arsenal. In 1882, at age 34, Hugh Daly finally signs with a National League team, the Buffalo Bisons. He finishes the year with a 15-14 record in 29 starts. He allowed 165 runs scored, only of which 85 were earned. (coughs) So just like half of his runs were earned. This led to a contract the next season with the Cleveland Nationals. That season saw Daly on his very very best behavior of his entire career the club posted a perfect 14-0 spring training mark started the season off 18-9 and the much calmer version of Daly became a fan favorite in the forest city and his teammates even liked him you know winning will tend to do that the nationals and providence were battling for the top spot in the national league when cleveland's second pitcher jim mccormick injured his arm and as i said a lot of irish players in the 1880s (laughs) <laughs> Jim McCormick. Hey, well, he might be Scottish, though, huh? Hey,
1: This could be a Scottish money. <laughs> uh,
0: With 44 games left in the season, though, it fell all on daily, literally. Hugh did his best as the Nats and Providence traded first place for a week or so, and then Hugh's arm likewise gave out. He and McCormick limped through the rest of the season, but Cleveland finished a distant fourth. Next season, Daly jumped to the Upstart Union Association. There he played for three teams in two cities in one season, as he was initially on the Cleveland Browns, who in the middle of the season changed their name to the Pittsburgh Stogies. <laughs> they didn't change cities, they just changed their city name and nickname.
1: I didn't know so, you could do that. that. That's great. Yeah,
0: apparently. This is uh this is the literally the wild west of, of baseball. Like you can do basically whatever you want. <laughs> uh, against lesser opponents, Daly told 483 strikeouts in one season. Still good for third on the all-time single season list behind Matt Kilroy's 513 in 1886 and one of my favorite Toad Ramseys 499 also in that 1886 season. Of note, in that season, on July 7th versus Boston, Daly was credited with striking out 19 batters in one game. It was later discovered that a batter had struck out and reached base via an error on the catcher, thusly giving Daly 20 strikeouts in a nine-inning game, a mark that was not equaled again until 102 years later in 1986 when Roger Clemens did it. Yes, wow. That was against the Mariners, wasn't it? It was. 102 years, though, that record Yeah, that's stood. impressive. So the Union Association lasted only one season and Daly rejoined the National League, but his skills were declining. At this point, he was 37 years old, literally had thousands of innings on his arm. He managed to show flashes of brilliance, but not consistent enough to really hang around much. He hung on playing Small independent teams, and 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 his final major league appearance was in 1887. If you look at Hughes' numbers on Baseball Reference, they aren't that impressive. Technically, a 79 and 87 lifetime mark over six years, a 2.92 ERA, 846 strikeouts—that's not too bad. He started 163 games and finished 157 of them. Oh, so. Geez. Technically, in the major leagues, he was only removed from six games that he ever started, which is crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you totaled up all of his actual playing experience, there would be some just crazy numbers, I'm sure. I- I and mean, especially innings pitched, I'm sure it would just be through the roof. Following his playing days, Daly moved back to Baltimore, where he could still be found in the phone book as late as 1922. The date, though, of his death or where he passed away is unknown, which means he could very well be a vampire and still be living amongst <laughs> us today.
1: Oh, yeah. I tell you what, uh, murderers could use him yeah. if he's still <laughs> well, around, you know? T-
0: let, let me ask you this. Which team wouldn't take this guy that could just eat innings like that? <laughs> I mean, stick him in the bullpen. Yeah. You, you, if it's a blowout, whatever, you don't want to lose your bullpen. Just... Throw Hugh Daly in there. Let him, you know, just tell your fielders, listen, he's going to yell at you, whatever. Just <laughs> take it. He's eating <laughs> innings. With that, my friends, is the uh, the story of Hugh Daly, who I had never heard of and is now one of my top two one-handed pitchers in the history of baseball. All right. So let us move on from Hugh Daly. Mark, it is time for the segment of the show that everybody waits for with bated breath. And I know uh, we have a lot of fun with it is time for the popular segment. Wax packs. Heroes. Wax
1: back, hero. oh, back, hero! So today, Mark,
0: I have, uh, I mean, Don Ross is never known as having the most beautiful cards, the most, Aesthetically pleasing cards. Uh, I don't mind this set as much. I mean, they're not beautiful, but the packs that they came in are not my favorite. It is the 1991 Donruss set, where these packs are tan. They're the most, they're like, gray would have been more interesting than these tan packs. But nonetheless, that is is where we are. So we're going to open two packs of these. Uh, If you are new, let's go over the rules really quick. We are going to look at the year of these cards on Baseball Reference. So we are going to be looking at Baseball Reference War from 1991 from whoever we pull out of these packs. We will total those up. We've got a couple of extra qualifiers that can add or subtract to your score. If the player is wearing glasses of any sort, flip downs, those big science teacher glasses, sunglasses, whatever, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. If it's a really good, if it's a Hugh Daly-like mustache, Hugh Daly might be clock in at a, at a three-tenths of a point of war. It was so beautiful. Wow. But if it's really good, you'll get, a, you know, Tom selleck ass. you're going to get two-tenths of a point. If they are wearing a sweatband, either has a caricature of themselves, their jersey number, or a McDonald's logo, they're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they are wearing real stirrups that we can see in the card, they are going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they are, however, wearing those dreaded two-in-ones, those are just not a good look. We're going to minus a tenth of a point of war. And if they are now in the Hall of Fame, we are going to give them a whole point of war because they're in the Hall of Fame. So looking at the scoreboard right now, Mark, you are currently leading 14 wins to my nine. I finally broke the losing streak last week, but we're going to jump right into this. I've got two packs of these tan Donruss (laughs) wax packs. I'm going to let you choose whether you would like the one in my left hand or my right hand, sir. All right, I'm going left. I'm going to I'm going to choose to go second. I'm going to bat. I'm going to be the home team. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to open up. I'm excited because this is a Willie Stargell puzzle that they have going on this year. Um, Not that I'm going to save these pieces at all, but Pops was pretty cool. And I I got his autograph one time in person, so I'm excited (sighs) about that. All right, uh, let's get started here. We have, oh, we talked about this guy on the uh, podcast that we did with Baseball Beyond Batting Average. And one of their listeners who creates custom baseball cards created the Junior Felix Jose card. And that is who we're going to start out with. It's Junior Felix with the Toronto Blue Jays.
1: 91 would have been his, like he had an 89 upper deck, I think.
0: Yeah, 89 was his rookie year. Yeah, that's all I really remember. Uh, na- <laughs> 91, you know what? He was he was an even average outfielder. Slash 283, 321, 370, an OPS plus of 91. That does equate to a war of 0.1. Uh, he does have real stirrups on, though. Uh, that's the only thing. That you're going to get out of this so you're going to get a. you're going to start out with a 0.2 which is fine
1: do i get anything for size i remember him being a big guy
0: uh so junior felix is 511 170 i think you're thinking of felix jose
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> well yes. I, I just i was curious about senior felix too
0: so i mean future rules that we might consider uh, junior felix was a switch hitter and unlike batters today he had a double ear flap helmet. I know Jed Lowry still has a double ear flap helmet, but generally switch hitters today have two helmets, one with just one ear flap on each side, but rules to consider in the, in the future, maybe a double ear flap bonus as well Ooh, as a no batting gloves bonus, but we'll nice. we'll come we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Your second card is pitcher from the San Francisco Giants. It is Jeff Brantley, here pictured in old Veterans Stadium. So we
1: got a retired pitcher in a retired stadium.
0: Yeah. that stadium was something else wasn't it it had the jail in it oh yeah do you have any clue what jeff's middle name is Beauregard. hoke you were very close but yes right there (laughs) (laughs) uh believe it or not do you ever remember jeff brantley leading the national league in saves in 1996 with 44
1: i have i have no recollection of that wow that's a heck of a year yeah
0: that that's a good good for him that was uh, that was a nice season in '91. He was still with the Giants. He had 15 saves. He had a 2.45 ERA, and that equates to a WAR of 2.3. Not bad. He's got real stirrups as well, so that'll be a plus 2.4. That's uh, that's a that's a very nice card, right? There. I'm, First, I'm, really? I'm all over that. That's beautiful. Yep. Next, we've got a fireballer for the Texas Rangers that is not Nolan Ryan. It is Kevin Brown. Yeah, what
1: a stud pitcher kevin brown was he was tough he was tough to hit
0: so kevin brown he had quite a career yeah Uh, let's see with texas eight years the dodgers i remember clearly with the dodgers five years he was on florida for two years which i remember the padres baltimore and the yankees i think the yankee yeah the yankees were at the end of his career remember that time in the 90s or in the 90s in the 2000s when everybody would just go to the yankees for their last year or two of their career just to get a ring Pretty much, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was in that boat. Uh, 1991, not a great year. The next year, he led the league in wins with 21. But in 1991, he went nine and 12. Led the league in hit batters, and uh, ended up with a WAR of 1.6. He, did, I cannot tell if he's got real stirrups or not. So I'll just give you a pass on that. So I'll give you a 1.3 on that card. Cool. Next, this guy. Wow, he looks completely different here. Uh, This guy you probably remember most from the 1986 World Series, but here he is with the Padres. It is Calvin Schiraldi. Calvin! (laughs) I'm assuming that you are referencing a a Mets crowd that would chant his name.
1: (laughs) The Mets fans uh, letting Calvin know that they did know his first name.
0: (laughs) So 91 was Calvin's last year in the big leagues at age 29. Uh, he did not appear, he only appeared in three ball ballgames. Uh, and that equates to a war of minus 0. .4. He's nice got real it? stirrups on. He's got a beard and a mustache, though, so that'll only cost you point two. That's, that's not too bad.
1: Mm, I can live with it.
0: You're at 3.7, and <laughs> I, I feel, you know, we talk about these guys that we pull every week, and this is one of them, uh, closer for the Mariners, Mike Schooler. <laughs> yeah, we, we seem to hit Schooler a lot. So, yeah, Mike Schooler, uh, fortunately for you, he's got a, a good mustache here. I'm not going to say it's a two, two-tenths two of a point of a war mustache. Not a bad season. Three and three that year with uh, actually seven, only seven saves. Not a lot going on that year for uh, Mr. Schooler, but he still had a point six with the mustache, so that's a point seven for you.
1: It's in the positives. That makes me happy.
0: Yeah, I don't think you've you've been in the negative yet. Uh, Next, we've got a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. This picture taken in Wrigley, clearly. It is Joe McGrain headache.
1: Oh, McGrain, yeah. He had a pretty long career, didn't he? Uh,
0: Let's see, 87 through 96. I believe he's a broadcaster now. I don't, I think he, I'm not sure who he works for, but I'm I'm fairly positive he is a broadcaster now. Bad news for you, though, he was injured in 1991. Well, bummer. And there's uh, nothing on this card that's going to get you anything either. So that's a wash. Oh, well. uh, your next card is a pitcher for the Yankees. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I do not remember Jeff Robinson. Uh, Jeff Robinson uh, was a giant, wasn't he? There were two Jeff Robinsons that played at the exact same time. Of course. Yeah, you're right. Jeff Robinson uh, debuted with the Giants in 1984. He played uh, nine years in the big leagues. 1991, he was actually on the California Angels 0-3 in 39 games with an ERA of 5.37. Oh, boy. That's great. Yeah, so that's that's a war of minus 0.2, and that there's nothing on this card that's going to help you. <laughs> so that'll bump you down to 4.2. <sighs> Next, we've got uh, lefty for the Pirates. It's got a good mustache here, Bob Patterson. Doesn't ring a bell. Remember, Bobby? I mean, he was, on, uh, he was on those teams that always used to face off with the Braves in the National League playoffs, those Barry Bonds teams. Uh, 91, uh, he's been 13 years in the big leagues. He's a left-hander, of course. 4 and 3 4.1 ERA, had a couple of saves, middle relief guy. All of that equates to a war of -0.1. He's got a mustache though and he's got real stirrups. So you're going to end up in the positive there with a 0.1. Way to go, Bob. Uh next, we got a lot of pitchers here. Now, this is one of Two Strike Noise' favorite relievers of all time from the Minnesota Twins. He goes by the moniker of Il Gasolino. (laughs) He has possibly one of the greatest musical uh, numbers as sung by an actual Major League Baseball player, the Juan Berenguer boogie. (laughs) And for somebody of his stature to release a single really takes some cojones, I gotta say. It's Juan Berenguer.
1: Uh, Juan Berenguer was a a character and, and a pretty decent pitcher.
0: Also known as Senior Smoke. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's a great nickname. That is such a great nickname. Uh, So in 1991, he was 36 years old. Actually spent that year in Atlanta. Actually, you know what? I remember that. I remember him in a Braves uniform. Uh, Good for him. Uh, But that year, not a great year. 0-3. 2.24 ERA, though, in 49 games. So You're going to get some war out of this, I feel. A war of 2.5 nice from il gasolino senior smoke he has got real stirrups and dare i say he's got a two tenths of a point mustache Please. so that's going to be a plus 2.5 and you know what uh, two i'm sorry a 2.7 but i'm gonna give you a 2.8 for il gasolino the single
1: <laughs> yeah a, a classic entrance team
0: all right next you've got catcher for the philadelphia phillies steve lake
1: did he play for a few different teams yes. uh, if i remember correctly a backup uh, most of the time yeah.
0: He was the quintessential backup catcher. Yeah. Never appeared in more than 74 games in one season, but he was that guy. He was that guy you knew was a good backup catcher. You yeah. sign him, you, you know, he's going to get those 30 to 40 starts a year and he's, you know, decent defensively. Uh, 91, he was with the Phillies at 228. But, you know, as a backup catcher, you don't. you're not looking for offense. You're basically just looking to be a decent defensive catcher.
1: Yeah, not ruining any games is kind of what you're hoping for.
0: Yeah, so Steve Lake, though, did suffer from a minus 0.6 war. Uh, he's got a mustache, though, so that's only going to cost you a 0.5. five. will oh. take you to 6.6. Next, we have got a pitcher for the Brewers, a really good friend of a former guest and somebody that I know we've been talking about having back on and said he'd come back on, uh, former good friend of Don August. It's Mark Knutsen.
1: Mark Knutson. Sure, Um can't tell you many specifics about him,
0: but uh, his
1: name started with a. K
0: think he was traded with don at one point <laughs> yeah he was traded with don august to the brewers from houston for danny darwin Ooh, but I, yeah i remember don talking about he was one of his knutson was one of his buddies in 91 in milwaukee he appeared in only 12 games went one and three with an era of 7.97 oh, or so a war cool. of minus 0. 0.9 he's got two and ones but he's got a mustache as well so that'll just be a minus minus point nine for you. I thought you were going to get the whole minus point. <laughs> that's, no, That's a rough one. All right. Next, you've got closer for the New York Mets. I believe he was Brooklyn born, came up with the uh, Reds, but I think is best known for being a left-handed closer for the Mets. John Franco.
1: One of the uh, nasty boys, I believe.
0: Let's see. He was born, yeah, in Brooklyn, New York. I believe his father was also a firefighter. That uh, I think I believe he responded to nine eleven as well. Oh, wow. I, I remember just because you know he was ended up being a New York Mets an all star. Well, let's see. No, actually he was. Well, he was an all star in ninety with the Mets, but never, never after that. And he ended up pitching for fourteen years with the Mets, six with the Reds, and a final year with the Astros. Nineteen ninety one went five and nine, had thirty saves, two point nine three ERA. I think you're going to do well here. Wow, a war of only 0. 0.1. <laughs> it sounded so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, let's 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 delve into his uh, to his year here. In 55 innings, 45 strikeouts, six wild pitches, 18 base on balls. Well here, this might be it, a whip. For a closer of 1.4. Oh, no, you don't want that, that is, going on. Yeah, that that is pretty high right there. How many how many hits did he give up? 61 hits in 55 innings. So, yeah, that's where you're going to take a, a hit there. So, 0. 0.1, but he's got a good mustache. Uh, I'm going to give you 0. 0.2 on that. So, that's a good <laughs> mustache. Um, but then he's got the 2 and 1s. So, that'll only yield you an extra 0. 0.1. So, that's going to get you a 0. 0.2 on the, uh, on the old John Franco. All right, you got two cards left here. You're going to get a Diamond King here. Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder. Oh, okay, Cecil. Yeah, he was big and a daddy. (laughs) Yes, he was. Career uh, 319 home runs, just like his son. Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder. 1991, he was an all-star. Played in all 162 games for the Tigers. Led the league in home runs and RBIs that year. Wow. Came in second for the second consecutive year in the MVP validating. We know who he lost to in 1990, Ricky. Uh, Let's see, 1991, he had a war of 3.8. I'll take that. Yeah, you'll take that. He's got a mustache in this drawing, cannot see his stirrups. So that'll get you a 3.9. Heading into your final card, you have got a 9.8. And your final card is catcher for the Royals, Mike McFarlane. McFarlane played for a good while, didn't he? 13 years, he did good deal of it with Kansas City 11 years with Kansas City let's see he was on Boston for one year in between those years (laughs) he was in Kansas City from 87 through 98 except for 95 he took a break and played with the Red Sox and then he finished up with the A's in 98 and 99 he hit 277 not too bad an OPS plus of 128 which is great for a catcher in 1991 and all of that equates to a war of 2.7 Can't see anything on this card that's going to get you anything more. So that will bring you to a total of 12.5.
1: Not bad on Mike McFarlane there.
0: I'll take that. Yeah, no, he might be your best card. Well, I guess Cecil was your best card, but yeah, your last two cards were definitely your best.
1: Yeah, they 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 may have saved me, but I guess we'll find out now.
0: Yeah, 12.5, not a great score, but definitely better than your score last week. Yeah. Didn't didn't even break double digits. No. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna pull out my card, my, car, my pack here, and uh, I got my. All right, so I'm gonna start out with a Houston Astros pitcher, Mark Portugal. I
1: remember Mark Portugal. He had a cool name.
0: Could he be the pitcher in all of the major leagues who leads, you know, has the most wins after being named after a country?
1: Um, that's a good question. I mean, that, that's gonna require some serious research.
0: There's a lot of yeah. Help. I'm. I'm I'm, I'm really wondering if 109 wins might be the most amount of wins for a pitcher named after a country. Hit us up if there's anybody, if you can think of anybody that has more, hit us up. Let us know. 1991 went 10 and 12, a 4.49 ERA. I'm not, uh, not happy about that. That equates to a war of minus 0.5. Uh, he does have real stirrups but that will uh, that will start me off in the negative at a minus 0. 0.4. If
1: only you could have had him in 93 when he had 18 wins.
0: Can, can, can we take a card and uh, and choose a different year for the player? I, I think know. we
1: should uh, be able to do that once every lifetime.
0: All right, so I've got a Diamond Kings as my second card. This guy was a highly drafted guy out of, I believe, LSU. It is pitcher for the Orioles, Greg Olson. Not the catcher, but the pitcher.
1: Right, there was both. Greg Olson was a closer for a while, wasn't he? Yep.
0: Greg with two G's. Greg Olson also was on that Team USA, uh, nicknamed Otter. Greg Olson is also the guy that was uh, that intentionally walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded in Arizona. (laughs) Buck Showalter made him do that. Oh, yeah. I want to give a shout out. Uh, Greg Olson has been on our friend Joel's podcast, the High and Inside podcast. And he told the story of that. And he didn't know why he he felt like he should have. He wanted to pitch to him, but uh, he was told by by my favorite stalker, Buck Showalter, to, uh, to walk him. So uh, go check out that episode though of, 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 check out High and Inside if you haven't already, but uh, uh, it tells a good story there. 1991, uh, four and six, yeah, he was closing, had 31 saves that year, 3.18 ERA, that is a 126 ERA plus, and that equates to a war of 1.1, and that's all I'm gonna get because there's nothing else on this Diamond Kings that would get me anything else. That brings me up to 0.7. I'm in the positive. All right, Mark, here we go. I got the one dog. Who is it? Lance Johnson? <laughs> you will never miss that question again. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Uh, you. You got it, Lance Johnson. I, I mentioned that all 91 cards of white Sox players have them in the throwback jersey because it was the first time they any team had worn a throwback jersey at that point and lance johnson is no different here in the throwback jersey uh 1991 one dog let's see not a bad year led the league in triples but i mean he led the league in triples five out of six years in a row hit 274 ops plus only of 81 i'm sure he had some stolen bases Uh, Let's see, 26 stolen bases that year. All of that equates to a war of 3.0. He's got a mustache, so that'll be a plus 3.1. Good year. Yeah, I I feel like he's so underrated. He led the league back-to-back years in 95 and 96 with hits as well. Led five out of six years in triples. You know, was only an all-star once. Hmm. Had a career 291 uh, batting average. I I mean, I, I felt like he was a pretty solid center fielder. He had speed. He played for a while, Yeah, he played for 14 years. Yeah. Of course, ended up on the Yankees in 2000, like I said. So you go to retire. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Wow, I got my second Diamond King. Neither of which are Hall of Famers, though. But I got the Cobra, so you can never, never complain about that. I'm with you. Dave Parker here with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cobra. I, I just enjoyed the Cobra no matter where he went. 1991 was his final year. He split it, though, between the Angels and the Blue Jays ended up with 11 home runs still didn't have a bad season let's see all that equates to a war well it kind of a bad season of minus (laughs) 0.1
1: well it might have been okay for him but not so good for
0: you so he's got a mustache though so that'll be a a minus 0.9 that takes me down to 2.9 next i've got a highlights card and i've got a hall of famer our first one of the day it's the kid gary carter oh nice all right, so Gary Carter here, he is actually in a Giants uniform, which I remember him. I mean, the last couple of years of his career, he played for the Giants and then the Dodgers and then signed with the—you know what? I, I can't say signed with the Expos this final year. He actually played 95 games for the Expos in 1992. I remember. But 91— Expos uniform, yeah. Yeah, so in 91, he was with the Dodgers. He was their primary catcher. Played in 101 games— uh, had an OPS plus of ninety eight, so right up, right around league average. Not bad. Uh, WAR of one point two. Um, nothing on this card is going to get me anything else, but he is a Hall of Famer, so that's a plus two point two. Takes me up to five point one. Next, we've got catcher for the Seattle Mariners, a left-handed hitting catcher with no batting gloves. It's Scott Bradley.
1: Scott Bradley was uh, is very well liked, but uh,
0: didn't play a whole lot. If I remember right. <laughs> Well, he was well-liked. Let's <laughs> You know, Scott Bradley, I mean, he bumped around the big leagues for nine years. Uh, you mm-hmm. got to be more than well-liked to, uh, to be around that long. But uh, 91, with the Mariners, in 83 games, had a 47 OPS plus. So I wouldn't hold your breath here. <laughs> that equates a minus 0.5 Ouch. Uh, war. But he does have real stirrups on, so that's a minus 0.4. That does not help me. <laughs> no no that's not what you want i'm going to. backwards yeah going the wrong way i'm at 3.7 yeah Oof. okay next boy when i you know in in the 1980s when i thought of a utility infielder a jack of all trades this is 100 the guy i thought of i'm just going to say st louis cardinals utility infielder do you have any idea who i'm talking about no, rex hudler nope that's a good you know what that's another good one I think Rex was more in the '90s, though. Yeah. I'm thinking of Jose Oquendo. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at boy, looking at his 1988 season in Baseball Reference, position four, five, six, three, designated hitter, nine, eight, seven, two, one. So he played wow. every position on the diamond in 1988. That's impressive. In uh, let's see, in 1987, he did every every position except for catch. I wow. mean, he did it. Did it all. 1991, um, let's see, mainly just on the infield. And he, he pitched almost every year in blowouts. Yeah, I can uh, 1991, 2.0 war. I'll take that. Oh, wow. Uh, he's got real stirrups and he's got a mustache. So that's a 2.2. Especially with these last couple of cards, I'll take that all day. Next, we've got Rags, lefty for the, for the uh, New York. Yankees, Dave Rigetti. It's weird. You know, Dave Rigetti, R-I-G-H-E-T-T-I, and his nickname is Rags. He has nary an A in his last name, but. <laughs> That's funny. Rookie of the year, 1981, Rags. 1991, not so much. Two and seven with the Giants. Ouch. He spent the year there. 61 games, 3.39 ERA. All of that equates to a war of uh, 0.5. I'll take that. Nothing on this card is going to get me anything more than that. Next this guy, another one of those stalwarts really a 1990s this would probably be in your rotation for an all 1990s uh, pitching staff. It is Doug Drabeck Uh you got here with Dave the pirates. he was he was fantastic. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out a limb and say if I have to name a five man rotation in the 1990s, I think Doug Drabeck's gonna be in that rotation.
1: Uh, he certainly should be part of the conversation because, yeah, he was he was tough and he would he would give you around 200 innings every year, or more even.
0: Yeah, so he won the Psy in 1990, went 22 and six. 1991, 15 and 14 with a 3.7 ERA. Looking at his innings pitched, you hit it right on the head over 200 for a good bulk of his career really just a, a solid pitcher came in with a war of 3.6 in 1991 i'll take that he has got the pants really low i cannot see he's almost got him down i can't tell there but he's got a mustache so i will take a 3.7 on that that's Woo,
1: good that's really Still coming through one last time
0: yeah, with all my minuses, I'm at 10.1. Ow. I am, and you had you finished with 12.5. Uh-oh. I've got like five cards left here. It's I am in bar the bar. running here. Look out. I'm not sure Doug West of the Minnesota Twins, though, is gonna help me out a whole lot.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't recall a Doug
0: West. Oh, I'm sorry, David West. He might, maybe he'll do more than Doug, but let's see. Uh, David West uh, was actually in the big leagues for 10 years. How? Wow, we missed him. We're, we're pretty good at remembering obscure players from the from the 80s and 90s but i am shocked by the number of players we pull in this segment that we don't have any recollection of and david west is one of those who pitched for 10 years
1: yeah i have no memory whatsoever
0: so 91 he went four and four appeared in uh 15 games as a starter in 12 of them that equates to a war of 0. 0.6 all right oh. i i see you david west nothing else is going to get me any points but I'll, I'll take a point six there. I was expecting a, a hit there. This guy might be a, be be helpful here. It is uh, a member of the Phillies. I think when he and Larry Anderson were on the Phillies at the same time, that could have been a just a jackpot for baseball tomfoolery. Here it is, John Crock.
1: Oh man, you gotta love John Crock. <laughs> he's he's credited with a with a great answer to uh somebody's comment someone who looked down at the field pointed at him and said that guy's a professional athlete to which he responded something like i'm not an athlete lady i'm a baseball player
0: there you, i saw that just the other day too you're right on that is exactly what he said classic john cruck crucky the crucker or jake i'm <laughs> not sure where jake comes in but uh, good for uh, john martin cruck uh, let's see, he is a three-time All-Star in 1991, was his first year as an All-Star. Hit, uh, let's see, he slashed 294, 367, 483 for an e, uh, an OPS Plus of 139, so I'm feeling good here. A war of 4.7, my friends. Woo! Uh, he does have 2 and ones though, so that'll only get me a 4.6, but... I think that vaults me into the, oh yeah. So that gives me a 15.3. So I'm three points ahead of you with four cards left.
1: We haven't uh, given Mr. Kruck his due, I don't think, on this show enough. Lifetime 300 hitter. That's over 10 years. And a lifetime on base of 397. Not bad.
0: Career OPS plus of 134. Good ball player. Plus, you know, he's just a, uh, look at that. He never led the league in a single category. No, he was a three-time all-star came in seventh in the rookie of the year voting came up with the Padres uh, just though. I mean, he was, he's a funny guy, funny guy. He used to see uh, my Letterman all the time. Yeah. He fit right in with Letterman. Let's see. Yeah. He was traded with Randy ready from the Padres to the Phillies for Chris James. I think we had a Chris James card just last week, maybe uh, that we were shocked the value that Chris James gave us. But uh, yeah, John Croc is, uh, hes going to be one of those guys. Remember he, he was at the plate, wasn't he, in the all-star game when Randy Johnson uncorked yeah. it over his head? He was the guy that bailed. Okay, next I've got a pitcher, a noted ginger pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Ron Robinson. Ron Robinson. I know we've had him a couple of times. I always say not to be confused with the caveman, Don Robinson. <laughs> Ron Robinson spent most of his career with the Reds, but he spent three years with the Brewers. In 1991, he appeared in one game. Not expecting a lot here. That equates to a war of 0.0. You know what? It looks like he's got a ginger beard, but it's so light, I can't tell if he's got a mustache. So that card is a complete wash for for Ron Robinson. Uh, Next, we've got outfielder for the New York Metropolitans, Keith Miller. Okay. Uh, Two Keith Millers were playing at this point. So I picked the right one this time. I remember Keith in the outfield, and then I remember he finished up his career with the Royals for a couple of years. Uh, 91 he ended up with an ops plus of 114 i'll take that because uh, 114 ops plus equals a 1.2 war Uh, nothing else on this card is going to get me anything but that i feel is going to put me in a pretty safe position with two cards left at 16.5 i'm four war up keith
1: miller by the way second so keith miller by the way uh, another uh, utility player that played pretty much everywhere it's like you're collecting utility players
0: well, I, I can I can stick him anywhere. That's right. And get this: so in '91, he was traded from the Mets with Greg Jeffries and Kevin McReynolds to the Royals for Bill Picota and Brett Saberhagen. Wow! Who Brett Saberhagen, who has our second favorite. Uh, major league player rap of all time. That's right. They got the trust that on the ball. From work to play, they've got it all. They've got a base that's a real steal. And here's another very good deal. All right. So uh, second to last card, father of former Mariner D. Gordon. It is Flash, Tom Gordon. You
1: gotta love Tom Gordon. At least uh, Stephen King does.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the only, uh, only major leaguer to have a book titled after him by uh, Stephen King. And uh, as I mentioned, nicknamed Flash, father of D. Gordon in 1991, he was still a part-time starter. He appeared in 45 games. 14 of those were starts, went nine and 14, and uh, but he had the ERI plus of 107, so still not a bad season. War-wise, that's going to get me a 2.1. He's got a mustache. He's got real stirrups. Wow. So that's a plus 2.3. I'm now running away with
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: going to go ahead and warm up the bus. I am more than six points ahead of you with my final card being uh, now manager Dave Martinez here with the Expos. Dave Martinez played for 16 years as a player, and very few teams that he did not play for in the National League. Uh, in 1991, he was in the prime of his career. He was 290 era. He was uh, 26 years old, hit 295, and uh, OPS plus of 111. And that equates to a war of 2.0. Man, you're cleaning he's up. He's got it. no batting gloves on. Yeah, he's got no batting gloves on, but that's not worth anything right now. But uh, so plus two here will give me a score of 20.8 compared to your 12.5. I'm
1: putting in the mop up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope you had a position player. I, I hope you had uh, Jose Akendo pitching at the end there because I cleaned up there and I'm in double digits finally in wins. Yay. Wow. Uh, the... The scoreboard now reads fourteen wins for you, ten wins for me. I will take that all day.
1: Very nice, Apparently. congratulations! Uh, I'm going to pretend to be happy for you.
0: I, I will. I will accept my orange slices and sunny delight. All right, let's uh, let's start to wrap up the show. This has been a fun one. If you've had fun listening to us, you can catch us all week long. On the social media, we can be found both on Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. We can also be found on YouTube. Just search for Two Strike Noise podcast. I will also put all the links in the show notes. Also, if you want to get a hold of us through email, Mark can give you the details.
1: Yes, you can write to us at two strike noise spell it out t w o strike noise at gmail.com. I just want to say thanks to everybody that's been emailing us. You've been keeping me busy. It's been a lot of fun chatting
0: with all of you. Yeah, and it's been fun uh, on on uh, in Instagram and Twitter getting emails and and DMs, not emails. I guess just DMs and responses to our posts. We really do appreciate it it's getting to be that time where there's a lot more baseball content too. So make sure you check us out and follow us if you don't there, if you want to rate or review us wherever you're listening to us, that always helps. Cause that always helps us get new listeners. And we really uh, appreciate that. We've, uh, we're over a hundred episodes. We've uh, been pretty steady with our, with our growth over the, the time that we've been doing this. And Mark and I really, I mean, we really enjoy doing this and enjoy talking baseball. So if you want to send us any sort of, uh, uh, email or dm or whatever we really do appreciate it we generally respond to uh, to everybody unless you've done something to wrong us in which case uh we will uh we will uh, shun you but that doesn't happen very often so
1: <laughs> not many people are shunned so don't worry about that <laughs> no no we've uh,
0: we're not that amish but uh all right we'll be back uh, you know we got another show next week we've got it in the works it's uh it's in motion so we'll be here hopefully we'll be to so we will join you next week on the next episode of two strike. Delight.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.